Pride Month kicks off with obscenity and childhood indoctrination across the land. Lululemon announces it's fine to shoplift from their stores. And RFK Jr. begins his uphill battle for the Democratic nomination. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So here it is, the clip of our era. It's Pride Month. Here's the Pride Month clip. I'm just going to give it to you because there is no introduction that can do it justice. Here we go. This is from the LA Pride Parade, for those who cannot see. This is a gay man in assless chaps and bondage gear having a whip put around his neck on a truck in public view by a man wearing some sort of sadomasochistic gear. That man is now whipping this man's bare ass as they ride down a public street, presumably in West Hollywood, which is a very gay area of L.A., obviously. There are children in the crowd. This is pride. Do you feel the human dignity? Do you feel the pride? Do you feel what Pride Month is really about? You wonder why it was that in the state of Florida, there were a bunch of parades that canceled themselves after Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature passed laws against sexual obscenity in public in front of children why they cancel it and why they were so offended. Maybe it's because there are a lot of people who are very into the idea that this is a positive good, that our society is supposed to look like this in public, that obscenity is supposed to be public and religion is supposed to be private. Traditional morals are supposed to be private. Obscenity is supposed to be public. Obviously, that is the theme. Everyone was lied to. So the, the lie during the 1990s is that the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign movement was largely about admitting more people into traditional institutions, broadening the scope of those institutions in order to apply to more diverse people. That's not the case. It's about transforming and exploding those institutions. Because when you have a, if you had a traditional religion pride parade, what it would look like, presumably, is people who are studying the Bible or images from the Bible or people who are walking with their families. You know, the things that you want to brag about. Traditionally, you have a pride parade for a thing. It's the things you want to brag about. But this is the thing that gets bragged about at the L.A. Pride Parade. This has been an ongoing spectacle in the city of Los Angeles, where I used to live, for literally decades. They shut down full city streets for hours on end for half the day in the middle of a workday in order to promote this sort of stuff. And it's not just in California, obviously. The Arizona Pride Festival, which was attended by many elected Democrats, featured a rapper rapping in public about anal sex. Here's what it sounded like. Let's go. Let them know who we do this this is a man gallivanting around again in uh, what appears to be some form of bondage gear. There are small children in the crowd who are partying along with uh, this man. Again, this is a guy rapping about gay anal sex in public in front of small children. You can see there are kids on the on the shoulders of, of other people. And twerking, obviously. And this has um, this has become de rigueur. This is what children must be taught. This is what children must. In fact, the Boston Medical Center, in celebration of Pride Month, was giving out snacks and dildos over the weekend in the city of Boston. Here's what that looked like. Yep, that is a wonderful imagery. Out in public, presumably children are present. Sex toys and... Um, and other implements being handed out in the middle of the public arena. Again, obscenity must be made public. Obscenity must, and not only must it be made public, it must be taught to your kids, right? This sort of stuff must be taught to your kids in public schools. This is why so many people, including the Obama, the, the Biden administration, are very warm on the idea that small children must have access to books like Gender Queer, which are pornographic books with graphic depictions of gay sex. Those must be available to seven, eight-year-olds at school libraries. It's very, very important. It's why the entire media universally decided that Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature were very, very bad for passing a law saying you're not allowed to teach this sort of stuff to kids under the age of eight. Originally, that bill applied to K through three, and the entire media labeled it don't say gay. Well, it's they who are making the argument that gay rights is inherently tied up in teaching small children about perverse practices. That, that They are the ones who are making that case. We are not making that case. They are making that case. And the argument that was made in the 1990s, at least for the ears of the general public, is two men want to live together and sign a will for one another. They want to be able to do hospital visitation rights. They just want to be left alone in the privacy of their own lives to live the life they seek. That's it. And they want to imitate the ways of traditional marriage. They want to live monogamous, 
effectively traditional lifestyles. It's just it's two men instead of a man and a woman. And this is the depiction in pretty much every television show that promoted the idea of same-sex marriage. That was the depiction. That was the depiction, for example, in Modern Family. Modern Family was one of the most well-watched comedies of the last 20 years. And Modern Family was entirely about the idea that there was a gay couple and this gay couple had an adopted child and and they were a monogamous family. And there's really no difference in them and the families who were part of their extended family, the man, woman, child families. No difference whatsoever. That was the pitch to the public. But then the pitch to the public, obviously, has gotten a little bit more risque. Now, that riskiness was always there. Here's the thing. The agenda was always there. It's just that there was an active attempt to prevent people from noting the agenda. If you noted the agenda, you were called a radical. You were called a nut for noting that this is what was, it wasn't as though this stuff wasn't happening 20 years ago. It 100% was happening 20 years ago. People were saying it openly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the records in just one second. But now it's being openly promoted to kids. So basically all the accusations that were made about the repressive and intolerant and bigoted religious right, you know, they're, they're off their rockers. They keep saying that we want to indoctrinate your kids in this. No, no, that's not what, well, it seems that uh, a lot of those complaints, a lot of the warnings about the slippery slope, it was not a slippery slope, folks. It was a cliff. And we're now at the bottom of it. I'm going to show you the footage from public schools this week in just one second. First, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on corporations not to partner with this show to advertise their wares because the left has decided that they're going to basically blackmail all businesses into imitating their lifestyle choices and points of view on politics. That's why we are grateful to sponsors like Pure Talk. Pure Talk is proud to stand behind the show and we are proud to stand with them. Pure Talk shares my values as well as the values of Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles, Candace Owens, the rest of the Daily Wire hosts. It's why they are the official wireless partner of The Daily Wire. That is not the only reason. We've checked the coverage. It's premium. Pure Talk is the most dependable 5G network in the United States. I use it myself. We check the plans. They are top tier, but at a fraction of the cost of other major carriers. In fact, you can get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data with a mobile hotspot for just 55 bucks a month. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you and switch on over to Pure Talk today. You'll get great coverage and save while you are doing it. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. Again, puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Save an additional 50% off your very first month of coverage. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values. And that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Again, this has now infused itself deeply into the veins of the school system. So public schools across America are, quote unquote, celebrating Pride Month by indoctrinating kids into this garbage. This, for example, is one public school that was featuring a, a giant inflatable rainbow that kids could hop through while wearing pride flags guided by their teachers. This is a, a form of soft ideological child grooming here. This is not particularly soft in terms of ideological grooming. Again, I, I'm making a very strong distinction here between grooming kids because you want to have sex with them and grooming kids into an ideological worldview that is directly counter to traditional morality, which is clearly what's happening here. There is no neutrality in schools that are flying pride progress flags in the hallway and having kids hop through inflatable rainbows in celebration of LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign activities and identities. And here's some of the footage. The kids are uh, dancing through to the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire through the rainbow. These kids are tiny. These are tiny little kids who are being guided. And here, there are the teachers. There are the teachers wearing pride flags, dancing through with the kids. That's just one school. Schools across America are featuring this sort of stuff during Pride Month. All you have to do is check libs of TikTok for a long list of different schools that have been promoting this sort of stuff to kids. This was the agenda. This was always the agenda. The agenda was never the idea. 
So the idea was always dignity, right? We want to live a dignified lifestyle. And that just means admit male-male couples or female-female couples to the registers of, of marital dignity. But let's be real about this. This was, this was not the original agenda. And now the original agenda is becoming very clear because they won the victory. Because gay marriage was made the law of the land and because everybody bought into the idea that we were then done, then it became, well, actually, we, we, have, we have something to tell you. What we have to tell you is that what we were actually legitimizing was not just a man and a man living together under some sort of legal regimen that gave them tax benefits. That's not actually what we were looking for. What we were looking for is a full-scale indoctrination into the idea that all forms of sexual activity are equally good for people and equally praiseworthy. And again, that was the original agenda. So if you go all the way back to 1955, Abraham Marcuse, who was one of the Frankfurt School founders, he was a professor at UC Berkeley, and he was the coiner of the, of the term make love, not war. He wrote a book called Eros and Civilization, in which he argued essentially that true freedom lay in what he called polymorphous perversity. So Freud had argued that the central motivating factor of human life is the sexual identity. It is your sexual drive. But Freud also argued that you had to sublimate that in pursuit of civilizational growth, that adolescent sexual behavior was making your sexual desires the center of who you were and then following all those desires. But as you grew up, the idea was you had to sublimate all of that and that energy went into the creation of civilization, right? That's a Freudian notion. Marcuse came along and he said, no, 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 that's wrong. Really what you have to do is you have to free that you have to free the eros. He posited a world of what he called liberated eros. He called for, quote, the concept of a non-repressive civilization based on a fundamentally different experience of being, a fundamentally different relation between man and nature and fundamentally different existential relations. Now, what he meant by that was not just that we were going to tear down all of the traditional family structures and that we were going to get rid of norms of heteronormativity and, and all the rest of this. He meant that because Marcuse was, was a communist, well, what Marcuse meant was that all civilizational structures had to be torn down. And just as Marx argued in the Communist Manifesto, that begins with tearing down family structures. It doesn't end with tearing down family structures. That is one of the predicates to remolding all of humanity. So Marcuse suggested that it was a goal for, quote, the body in its entirety to become an object of cathexis, a thing to be enjoyed, an instrument of pleasure. He said the sensuous rationality contains its own moral laws. We can build an entirely new moral utopia on the basis of the sexual itch being scratched in any way that you so choose and in any way that you so enjoy. Now, this would also require that traditional ways of life be suppressed. It wasn't enough to offer this as an alternative option. Traditional ways of life had to be actively suppressed, right? Marcuse argued that the problem with traditional institutions is that they're pretty seductive. People actually tend to like them and they're pretty durable. And so the best thing that you could do is create massive social sanction and maybe legal sanction for people who spoke out in favor of those traditional ideals. So Marcuse said, quote, the objective of tolerance would call for intolerance toward prevailing policies, attitudes, opinions, and the extension of tolerance to policies, attitudes, and opinions which are outlawed or suppressed. Freedom, Marcuse said, freedom itself was bad because freedom would allow for the bad ideas to win. So get rid of the freedom, and what you will end up with is the new regime of tolerance. Tolerance, of course, meaning just whatever he liked. He said liberating tolerance would mean intolerance against movements from the right and tolerance of movements from the left. It would extend to the stage of action as well as of discussion and propaganda of deed as well as of word. And this, this took a, it, its next form in the works of some of the radical feminists like Shulamith Firestone. So Shulamith Firestone in 1970, she wrote this paragraph, which sounds just prophetic. It sounds prophetic now when you read it, quote, until a certain level of evolution had been reached and technology had achieved its present sophistication to question fundamental biological conditions was insanity, which is true. She's basically arguing there that you could argue for polymorphous perversity, but until basically 1960, that ended really badly. You got an STD, you got pregnant out of wedlock, the real consequences to that sort of stuff. Then with the rise of the birth control pill, the welfare state, modern medicine, all the consequences went away. As a result, says Shulamith Firestone, we are no longer just animals. The kingdom of nature does not reign absolute. The end goal of feminist revolution must be, unlike that of the first feminist movement, not just the elimination of male privilege, but of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings would no longer matter culturally. A reversion to an unobstructed pansexuality, Freud's polymorphous perversity, would probably supersede hetero, homo, or bisexuality. The reproduction of the species by one sex for the benefit of both would be replaced by artificial reproduction. Children would be born to both sexes equally or independently of either, however one chooses to look at it. The dependence of the child on the mother would give way to a greatly shortened dependence on a small group of others in general. Any remaining inferiority to adult and physical strength would be compensated for culturally. The division of labor would be ended by the elimination of labor altogether through cybernetics. The tyranny of the biological family would be broken, and with it, the psychology of power. 
That sounds exactly like what we are watching happen in real time. That's the agenda. And again, that, that agenda was just smuggled in through the guise of we want dignity. We want to be left alone. Because here's the thing. Americans were like, fine, we'll leave you alone. Do what you want in the privacy of your own bedroom. No one cares. But that wasn't enough. It was never enough because the goal was to transform the institutions. Even advocates of same-sex marriage who were promoting the idea of monogamous same-sex marriage were going out of their way at the time to make clear that what they were really arguing for was the equality of all sexual relations and that being taught to kids. Right? Andrew Sullivan, who is a big proponent of same-sex marriage in the very early days, right in the middle of the 1990s. In 1999, he wrote a piece for Salon. Right? And this is, Obergefell was like 2015. So this is solidly 16 years before Obergefell. And he wrote, quote, the unmarried, even sexual adventurers get no grief from me. Why should they? In my most recent book, Love Undetectable, I defended the beauty and mystery and spirituality of sex, including anonymous sex. Including anonymous. So again, the institution of marriage was meant to say that sex is beautiful and wonderful and spiritual, which is why it should be in the confines of a marriage that produces children. The sexual drive is meant to be channeled in this direction. When you say that that is no longer true, that the mystery and wonder of sex can be had just randomly in an anonymous bar bathroom, but not inside the confines of marriage. What does marriage even mean? At that point, bringing that within the confines of marriage just explodes the institution of marriage, which of course is kind of the goal. I mean, Dan Savage, another advocate for same-sex marriage, he, he has openly said that the goal of marriage should not be monogamy. Monogamy should be defeated as an aspect of marriage. Quote, Savage and his boyfriend, this is from the San Francisco Chronicle circa 2005, Savage and his boyfriend have well-defined parameters by which they are allowed to have sexual relations with others. He does not define those for readers, but notes that in the 10 years they've been together, Savage has twice had sex with a man who is not his boyfriend, though his boyfriend, Terry, was involved too. And he argues for people to be, quote unquote, monogamish, right? And now you've seen, by the way, the New York Times promoting this to straight couples. The idea and the reason, again, why this is happening is because if one standard rules them all, then the standard has to rule them all. And the reality is that we have long known that gay couples are not monogamous in the same way that straight couples are. There's a gay couple study out of San Francisco State University, circa 2013. And it found that literally half of all gay couples, members of those couples were having sex with someone other than their partner with their partner knowing. So that's not even, that's putting aside people who don't even know. Because that's, that's a completely different way of life. That's a completely different lifestyle. So when people say, I don't, I don't understand, why are the pride parades featuring men in assless chaps whipping each other? Why? Because that's the point. Because that's the point. The dignity argument was not made to uphold the institution of marriage and broaden it. That doesn't mean, by the way, that all gay couples who are getting married are involving themselves in this kind of activity or are in favor of pride, pride parades with people whipping each other or in favor of the obliteration of all sex differences. What it is to argue is the broader overarching agenda here was never to extend the beauties of monogamous marriage to other people and then to spread the value of monogamy, chastity, sanctity. That was not the goal. The goal was always to spread throughout society a moral relativism, a complete moral apathy, actually, with regard to matters of sex and then to teach that to kids. Because after all, repressive tolerance requires that you teach our version of tolerance to the kiddies, which is why you see it cropping up in public schools. So when you look at Pride Month and you see these videos, you shouldn't be shocked. This stuff has been happening for years. It's just the media lied about it and they wouldn't put it on TV. Now they put it on TV. Now they put it on TV. They put it in the halls of government. That's how this stuff works now. Speaking of the halls of government, I have a clip for you on that one in just one second first. Now, it's, it's rough to maintain a healthy lifestyle when you have a new baby. I have four kids. I have a dog. Like, there's a lot going on. Let me give you a glimpse into the Shapiro house. Last night, I was up with the baby until 1 a.m. so my wife could get a little bit of a break. Then I went to sleep and my son woke up at 2.30 through 4.30 so that he could have food poisoning. And then my youngest daughter woke up at 5.45 to wake me up for the day. Which means, you know, it's really hard to stay healthy. And what I rely upon is balance of nature because I'm not going to eat that many fruits and vegetables. It's just not a thing I'm going to do. And I, I, I suffer enough. I don't need to eat that many vegetables. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies, they're a great way to make sure you're getting those essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through Balance of Nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and vegetables are preserved, so you can get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in their capsules is pure fruits and veggies. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of product over to the studio. I'm taking it. 
It's kosher, so I can take it as well. It's good. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your very first preferred order. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so again, this has reached the halls of government as well. This is why the Department of Agriculture shined the progress pride flag on the actual Department of Agriculture. What does the Department of Agriculture have to do with any of this? And if, if all we were talking about, even were the idea that two men would live in a monogamous relationship and have the ability to visit each other in the hospital and sign wills to one another, that became non-controversial in the United States as a general rule, even you know, for people like me who disagree and say that marriage is about childbearing and child-rearing, male-female child is the base of civilization. The truth is that by public opinion polls, people very much accept the idea of same-sex marriage, but only when they think that same-sex marriage is basically just heterosexual marriage with two dudes or just heterosexual marriage with two ladies. When it comes along with this entire other worldview, which suggests that anonymous bathroom sex is the same thing as sex within marriage, that it's all the same. Most Americans are not on board with that, but that has to be taught in order to explain why all sexual relations are the same. It was, it was a Trojan horse the entire argument was a Trojan horse. And again, now the Trojan horse has been broken open and you can see what exactly was inside the Trojan horse this entire time. What was inside the Trojan horse is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, an anti-Catholic hate group, a gay anti-Catholic hate group in, in California doing events at the California Capitol building with Senator Scott Wiener, who is most famous for attempting to lower the penalties for adults who have sex with, with minors of the same sex so that it's reflective of, of adults of different sexes having sex with minors of, of different sexes. It's just Scott Wiener's a joy. And, and here he was kicking off the Capital Pride celebration with the amazing Sister Roma and other Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Again, the entire purpose of the group is to mock Catholics. We're honoring Sister Roma and other badass LGBTQ community leaders from around California. Oh, isn't that, that that's just, they're such a delight. They're such a delight. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. Here is the, uh, here's Scott Wiener honoring a drag queen from the anti-Catholic hate group again in the halls of the state capitol in California. So proud of uh, Sister Roma and her work uh, in the community, and I'm proud of California for standing strong uh, in, uh, to support uh, LGBTQ people as our community is under assault uh, in the rest of the country. Sister Roma went on to say it's an incredible honor to have been nominated. She says being recognized not only means a lot to her, but the LGBTQ community at large. Sister Roma is a dude wearing a bright, I mean, we're just living in an alternative reality. But that's the reality that we created for ourselves because, again, the Trojan horse is now wide open and everything is now out in the open. Speaking of all the masks coming off, it is, it is fascinating to watch as even corporations are, are, are beginning to basically destroy their own basis for business in order to pander to the woke crowd. So yesterday, the CEO of Lululemon defended firing employees who had confronted thieves who were stealing product from the store. According to the New York Post, Lululemon CEO stands by his decision to ax two employees who called the cops while three masked men robbed a Georgia outpost, citing the company's zero tolerance policy for intervening with a robbery as reason for firing the workers. Apparently, uh, McDonald, the, his name is uh, Calvin McDonald. He claimed that the two fired female workers were not fired for calling the cops, but because they didn't abide by company policy, which said they shouldn't engage with thieves. Because after all, after all, it's just stuff. Now, here's the thing. It's not just stuff. The people who actually robbed the store ended up being arrested 12 miles away at another store robbing that store. So when you don't arrest criminals, you know what they end up doing? More crime. I know it's a giant shock. But here's Lululemon CEO basically saying, if you feel like walking into a Lululemon today and stealing some yoga pants, go for it. 
two of your employees were fired uh, relating to a theft that was happening in the store. There was talk that they were fired because they called the cops. You say that's not true. Can you just clarify what's happened here? Because it's gone viral, especially amid this wave of retail theft that we're seeing around the country. In this particular case, we have a zero tolerance policy that we train our educators on uh, around engaging uh, during a theft. Why? Because we put the safety of our team, of our guests front and center. It's only merchandise. At the end, they're trained to step back, let the theft occur, know that there's technology and there's cameras and we're working with law enforcement. Let the theft occur. Shop at Lululemon for free. Let the theft occur. Now, by the way, is Lululemon, Lululemon was one of the big Black Lives Matter proponents, right? I mean, they were, they're, they're pretty on board with the whole, the police uh, ACAB, <laughs> the police are the bad guys here. So, you know, have at it. I mean, fine, if that's the way the corporations are going to treat their own wares, if the, if the suggestion by, by corporate rich companies like Lululemon is that this is all just breakage, it's just stuff, who cares? Then, all right, keep giving your money to Democrats, Lululemon, and then see how that works out for you. In San Francisco, here's how it worked out. The San Francisco mayor, after going through Chase Bowden, the DA of San Francisco, actually losing a recall election because he was letting every criminal in sight out without bail, basically. Now, London Breed, who's big into the the cops are bad movement, she's now requested a $63 million increase in spending for the cops. Breed's requested budget for the upcoming fiscal year is $14.6 billion. That's a record high for both San Francisco County and the city. That $63 million increase marks a 9% increase from what police would get from the 2022-2023 fiscal year, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. That is not a particular shock, given the fact that all of downtown San Francisco is basically now shutting down because, after all, it's just merch. It's just merchandise. By the way, the, the predictable result here is that shoplifting is not just a couple of people who are walking in and stealing a candy bar anymore. According to the Wall Street Journal, not enough attention has been paid to the toll that shoplifting is taking on retail workers who have to try to perform demanding jobs in cities where politicians have decided to tolerate such lawlessness. Market Watch columnist James Rogers writes, quote, half of retail and grocery workers witnessed a theft or attempted theft in their stores from October 2022 through mid-April 2023, according to research from learning provider Exonify. Retail and grocery associates are seeing a notable increase in hostile and violent situations. Over 20% of the respondents to Exonify's survey don't feel prepared to handle situations involving theft. 40% said they feel scared to go to work. And the enormous cost to business owners is going to be borne by workers and shoppers. You get to, you get to pay the price. Right? When there's breakage, you just pay a higher price. Brian Cornell, CEO of Target, who, again, when he is not pushing pride progress propaganda on small children, with, with bathing suits so you can tuck your, uh, your penis behind you. When he's not pushing that, he has put a number on the cost of inventory shrinkage. $500 million in lower profits this year. $500 million. So, okay, if this is the game that you want to play, corporate America, then you will reap the benefit of people stealing your crap. And if you want to keep giving to Democrats who allow people to steal your crap in the name of racial equality or some such nonsense, then uh, enjoy the results. Enjoy the fruits of your own stupid policy. Alternative reality has consequences because just like your truth, there's no such thing as your truth. There's only the truth. There is no alternative reality. There is just reality. And we are going to feel that reality come to fruition everywhere. We can pretend that there are no consequences to reality and going up against it. There are consequences to reality and reality always wins. Okay, meanwhile, Joe Biden's administration continues to be a black hole of bad policy. So the the, pro, the probe into Joe Biden's possible corruption is now heating up, according to Politico. House Republicans are escalating their standoff with the FBI over an unreleased document they say ties then-VP Joe Biden to a bribery scheme, but has links to a Trump-era inquiry that ended with no apparent further action. The Oversight Committee is going to vote on Thursday to hold the FBI Director Chris Wray in contempt of Congress over the FBI's decision not to give lawmakers a copy of that document. Here is the chair of the committee, James Comer of Kentucky. He said the FBI refuses to hand over even unclassified records to the custody of the House Oversight Committee surrounding the activities of Joe Biden and family. The confidential human source who provided information about then-Vice President Biden being involved in a criminal bribery scheme is a trusted, highly credible informant who has been used by the FBI for over 10 years and has been paid over six figures. These are facts. And no amount of spin and, frankly, lies from the White House or congressional Democrats can change this information. At the briefing, the FBI again refused to hand over the unclassified record to the custody 
of the House Oversight Committee, and we will now initiate contempt of Congress hearings this Thursday. Meanwhile, speaking of foreign corruption, the Biden administration appears to be moving toward some sort of detente with the Chinese. They, they, they want to avoid some sort of serious conflict with the Chinese, presumably because if there were to be some more increase in tensions with the Chinese, the economy would sink and national security comes secondary to Joe Biden's electoral priorities. In a fascinating turn of events yesterday, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, put out a statement on the anniversary, this is June 4th, on the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. And there was a massive difference between his statement on the Tiananmen Square massacre this year as opposed to last year. So this year he wrote this, quote, Tomorrow, we observe the 34th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. On June 4th, 1989, the government of the People's Republic of China sent tanks into Tiananmen Square to brutally repress peaceful Chinese pro-democracy protesters and bystanders alike. The victim's bravery will not be forgotten and continues to inspire advocates for these principles around the world. The United States will continue advocating for people's human rights and fundamental freedoms in China and around the world. Okay, so what is the difference between that and what he did the year before? The year before, he had an entire paragraph saying, quote, that today, the struggle for democracy and freedom continues to echo in Hong Kong, where the annual vigil to commemorate the massacre in Tiananmen Square was banned by the PRC and Hong Kong authorities in an attempt to suppress the memories of the day. We will continue to speak out and promote accountability for PRC atrocities and human rights abuses, including those in Hong Kong, Xinjiang, and Tibet. To the people of China and those who continue to stand against injustice and seek freedom, we will not forget June 4th. Well, apparently now we are going to like sort of forget June 4th because they're attempting some sort of detente with the Chinese. They want to make nice with the Chinese. And everybody is noticing this. I mean, they're frankly just saying it. And China's growing more aggressive knowing exactly that. In fact, here's some tape of the Chinese Navy harassing a United States ship in the Taiwan Straits. Of course, China is threatening pretty openly now to blockade Taiwan. They have been for a while here. Look how close this uh, Chinese ship is coming to an American ship in the Taiwan Strait. They're obviously playing games with us recognizing that the United States is going to do pretty much nothing about any of this. Meanwhile, John Kirby, the national security spokesperson, he says, don't worry, Joe Biden's going to conf confront the Chinese in an appropriate time. What would that appropriate time look like? I mean, they're flying giant spy balloons over the entirety of the continental United States before you shoot down Mylar balloons from Party City. They're, they're harassing our ships. They unleashed a virus that killed probably five to seven million people globally, minimum. And, uh, and, are you picking your spots here or are you just cowards? Like, what, what exactly is your plan? At what point does the president pick up the phone, reach out directly with President Xi and say, enough, you can't continue these episodes for all the reasons that you talked about earlier. At what point does the president himself get involved in this? We have sent that message directly to uh, the PRC, as I said earlier, through various vehicles, including uh, the conversations that these two officials, one from the NSC and one from the State Department, are having in Beijing as we speak. Um, the president will have another conversation with President Xi, and he'll do it at the appropriate time. Um, uh, and uh, I'm sure that when he does, uh, he'll be just as candid with President Xi then as he has been in the past in terms of our, our concerns. So candid, so much candidness. Wow, the candor is just astonishing. Meanwhile, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, who is deeply involved, of course, with laundering the Steele dossier into public view with the Hillary campaign and all the rest. Uh, yeah, he, um, he says, don't worry, guys, we're not trying to decouple from China. We are for de-risking, not for decoupling. We are not looking to decouple our economy from China. We are not looking to end trade between the United States and China. Oh, well, we're not looking to decouple. Uh, what are you looking to do other than kowtow to the Chinese? By the way, you know what's going to end up happening in Ukraine? We're going to end up outsourcing policy to China and Ukraine. How do I know that? Because that's exactly what Barack Obama did with Russia in Syria. This is what democratic administrations do. They get into conflicts and then they outsource the solution to the conflict to some other group so they can wash their hands of it and pretend that they solved it. That's what's actually going to end up happening in Ukraine. It'll be a brokered deal, but it won't be a deal brokered by the United States. It'll be a deal brokered by the Chinese in all likelihood. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to... The reason why perhaps there is a serious problem for Joe Biden emerging on his left, actually. We'll get to that first. Did you know that our friends at GenuCell have now upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum plus ultra-retinal moisturizer with natural retinal alternative? Right now, you can take advantage of this limited-time package upgrade for 70% off. 
Why waste time and money to go get work done on your face when you can just use GenuCell and get it shipped directly to your door? And it's, it's very easy. My wife has used GenuCell. She loves it. My mom has used GenuCell. She loves it. Here's a GenuCell.com review from Robert in Blessing Text. He said, I purchased GenuCell as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw the results so fast. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. She was already beautiful. GenuCell has made her even more beautiful. GenuCell's secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women. It's made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches. It is always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. Head on over to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Try GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off, featuring both GenuCell's Ultra Retinol and GenuCell's Firming Serum. Get a complimentary Spot Essentials box with every package order, plus free upgrade to priority shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Also, we have a new product at Jeremy's Razors. It is, wait for it, wait for it. Ah, the sound of the angels. The Precision 5 Razor. Cast your envious eyes upon it. One handle plus one blade cartridge kit or just $14.99. Jeremy's lowest cost for a razor and only for a limited time. It is crafted with luxurious tungsten handle, five welded steel blades of Lyrian steel and a flip back trimmer for a close smooth shave around hairlines and hard to reach places. But remember, the Precision 5 is no ordinary razor. It is a sword in the battle for beliefs. It is a banner to wave into the new economy, a precision instrument to force woke companies to earn back your buck and stop denigrating your values. But also, it's just a razor and, and you can shave with it. Stop giving your money to woke corporations that hate you. Join over 125,000 men who have ditched their woke razors and switched over to Jeremy's. There's never been a better time or price. Go to jeremysrazors.com today. And meanwhile, Joe Biden being a very, very bad president. Here is the thing. There's no real challenger on the Democratic side of the aisle to Biden, because obviously, if you do that, then you take your political career in your hands. One of the things that allowed Bernie Sanders to do it is that he was an independent and nobody took him seriously. And the Democratic Party is not super popular among members of its own base at this point, at least not until they get to a general election, which presumably is the reason why, if you look at the polling inside the Democratic Party right now, the latest CNN poll has Joe Biden polling inside the Democratic Party nomination at 60%. That's super low. 60% for the sitting president of the United States is super duper low. When they had primary polls for Donald Trump in 2020, he was polling at like 90%, 88%. Joe Biden is at 60% inside the Democratic Party. His closest competitor is RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr. According to CNN, he is now polling at 20%. He is averaging in the real clear politics polling average 16.8%. And Marianne Williamson, right, the, the love lady, that lady is averaging almost 7%. And those are not amazing numbers for Joe Biden. And this is leading to a sort of panicked response from the media in which they are freaking out over Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, let's be clear. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a super weird dude. That is a weird guy. He believes a lot of very conspiratorial things. He, he made false claims about vaccines generally. He claimed there was a material in vaccines that was causing autism when that material had not been in the vaccines for literally decades. There's no evidence that... that Typical traditional vaccines cause autism or any of that. He continued to promote that for years on end. He's sort of conspiracy theorist when it comes to pretty much everything. I mean, here's a clip of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. blaming the CIA for both the death of JFK, his uncle, and for the death of RFK Jr., his, his uh, of RFK, his, his father, who was shot by Sirhan Sirhan, a Palestinian terrorist, essentially. This is, this is going back a little ways here is uh, RFK Jr. talking about assassination. A Democratic presidential candidate, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., making some bold accusations about who he thinks was responsible for the 1963 assassination of his uncle, President John F. Kennedy, in a new interview. Take a listen. Who do you think really killed your uncle? Well, I think there's overwhelming evidence that the CIA was involved in this murder. I think it's beyond a reasonable doubt at this point. Okay, so um, that's weird. And then he continued to suggest that RFK, his father, was murdered by the CIA, which, uh, no, he was, RFK was a, a pretty pro-Israel figure and he was murdered by, again, a Palestinian terrorist named Sirhan Sirhan. But the, the reason the media are mad at him are not because of these particular weirdnesses. They're mad at him because he's saying things that Democrats aren't supposed to say, which is also the reason why he is now earning 20% in some of these primary polls. So, for example, he did a Twitter Spaces with Elon Musk last night. And in that Twitter spaces, he said, for example, I'm not going to take your guns. A lot of Democrats are like, what? But uh, guess what? It turns out there are a lot of blue collar Democrats who actually don't want their guns taken. On the gun controls, I'm not going to take away anybody's guns. I'm, you know, I'm, 
um, I'm a constitutional absolutist, and he uh, said, you know, we can argue about whether the Second Amendment was intended to protect guns, but that argument is now been settled by the Supreme Court, and uh, and it has a very and the Supreme Court, you know, the Antonia Antonine Scalia's decision is a very expansive interpretation of the right to own a gun. Okay, and then RFK Jr. said he would travel down to the southern border where he would seek to close it permanently. Well, maybe this is one of the reasons why, you know, some Democrats are like, well, you know, I might like a Democrat who wants to close the border. We're not super in favor of open borders either. Over the next three days, be meeting with people from the Border Patrol and elsewhere to try to formulate policies uh, that will seal the border permanently and stressing the school systems, stressing the the social service systems for people who are already, for Americans who are already struggling with, it needs to be turned off. Okay, like this position is actually not a wildly unpopular position with a lot of Democrats. In fact, it turns out it's a much more coherent position than that currently being taken by the Democratic Party, which encourages open borders and then whines when illegal immigrants end up in their towns. In fact, like as we speak, California is now threatening legal action against Florida for shipping illegal immigrants from Florida to California. According to Yahoo News, California Governor Gavin Newsom appeared to threaten his Florida counterpart, Ron DeSantis, with kidnapping charges on Monday as a second plane load of migrants arrived via private jet in state capital Sacramento. That's a hell of a kidnapping. If by kidnapping you mean you illegally arrive in a country and you are asked where you wish to go and you say California and then you are put on a private jet with a ticket, that does not sound like a very good kidnapping plot. It seems more like kidnapping actually to, you know, ship yourself up via coyote over the border in like a heated truck, which is what Democrats have facilitated, than to put people on an air-conditioned private jet to Sacramento, which is basically how Gavin Newsom gets around. The confrontation comes after DeSantis has pursued a policy of flying migrants to Democratic-controlled cities in protest at President Joe Biden's immigration policies. It's fun to watch as California claims we are a sanctuary state. We love our illegal immigrants. Also, if you fly people who are illegal from Florida to California, we will prosecute you for kidnapping. California Attorney General Rob Bonta said his office was evaluating potential criminal or civil action against those who transported or arranged for the transport of these vulnerable immigrants. Well, if they're vulnerable, why aren't you happy to have them? Enjoy. State-sanctioned kidnapping is not, a, is not a public policy choice. It is immoral and disgusting. It's uh, Unless you're dumping them in a Republican town, then it's totally fine. If you just dump hundreds of thousands of people in small towns along the Arizona and Texas borders, that's not kidnapping. That's fine. If you dump them in California or New York, then it's a serious, serious problem. In fact, Karine Jean-Pierre is now claiming that it is illegal to send illegal immigrants to other states. So unless the federal government does it, obviously. If the federal government just catch and releases people at the border and then sends them to like a small town with no resources at all, that's called humanitarian aid. If you fly that person to Martha's Vineyard, however, you are a kidnapper. I've said it many times from here, repeatedly uh, from from this podium, that uh, busing or flying migrants uh, around the country without any coordination with the federal government, we've talked about this, uh, state or local officials as well, uh, is dangerous and unacceptable. And we'll continue to be very, very clear about that. Uh, It is dangerous and unacceptable because you're putting people's lives at risk. uh, And it's dangerous and and unacceptable because you're actually putting a lot of pressure on these states and local uh, and local um, Uh, local areas. By the way, it's Eric Adams in New York who's like, you know, the Biden administration might want to do something about the influx of illegal immigrants we're seeing. So it's the position of this White House that they can allow in millions of illegal immigrants and then they can ship them to blue cities. And if the federal government does it, it's fine. But if you're a red state governor and you do it, then you're very, very bad because you're not coordinating it with Joe Biden. You wonder why some people are looking at RFK Jr. who's saying, let's just shut down the board and being like, maybe. Here's the solution that's now being posited in New York by Eric Adams is what if we actually put them in prison? So I guess someone will go to prison in New York City, but you'll have to be an illegal immigrant to do it. Or maybe we'll just pay people to put them in their private homes in New York City. That's how bad things are over there. It is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales and then move to uh, private residence. Uh, there are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. Uh, they have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, 
we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. And some of those corporations come from outside our city. So their solution is, we will pay poor people with small homes to house illegal immigrants with them. Good solution, Eric Adams. Things are going to work out just fine. Again, there's a reason why RFK Jr. is pulling at 20%. It's not because he's an amazing candidate. It's because despite all of his kookiness, he's still less nuts than like the mainstream Democratic Party policy on issues of major public concern. Okay, in just one second, we're going to get to the presidential race on the right side of the aisle where more and more candidates are starting to show up and, and make some interesting comments first. You need life insurance. If you are a responsible human being, you need to make sure that your family's taken care of in case, God forbid, you get hit by a truck. Make sure that you have the life insurance you need by heading on over to policygenius.com. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 25 bucks per month for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius's licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. There are no added fees. Your personal information remains private. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link in the description to get your life insurance quotes for free today. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Again, it's just the responsible thing to do. There's lots of life insurance on me. But, you know, if you are in a job, you have life insurance through your job, it may not travel with you if you leave that job. You need personal life insurance that is sufficient to the crisis. If God forbid something happens, head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro and shop around. Use the link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hey, meanwhile, the Republican side of the aisle is getting kind of interesting. Who's in? Who's out? Chris Sununo, the New Hampshire governor who had flirted with a senatorial run, which probably would have given the Republicans the majority and then rejected it to stay governor of New Hampshire. He'd also flirted with a presidential run. That was probably going nowhere. At least he's smart enough to stay out of that race. The last thing that I think Republican voters want at this point is 1,000 candidates in the race. Here's Chris Sununu announcing his non-running on CNN yesterday. Governor, thank you so much for inviting us here to the Granite State. Absolutely. Your decision. Yeah, so uh, we've taken the last six months to really kind of look at things where everything is, and I've made the decision not to run for president on the Republican ticket in 2024. And obviously a lot goes into that decision, but um, it's been quite an adventure, but not the end of the adventure by any means. Why? Why won't you run? Well, you, when you look at what's happening out there, you obviously have a very large field. Um, of, I think the former President Trump is doing much better in the polls than folks thought. And when I looked at where my voice can be, how we make the Republican Party uh, bigger, the responsibility that I think I have in terms of focusing on the Republican Party and ultimately focusing on the, the opportunities for the country, I want more independence on the Republican Party team. I want more young voters on the Republican Party team. I am tired of losing U.S. Senate races and governor's races and clearly, I, I talk a bit candidly, I think as, as folks appreciate, I think more folks within the Republican Party have to have that kind of voice, that kind of emphasis of message. Well, um, I'm glad he's not running. I mean, at, at least he recognizes the truth. Meanwhile, speaking of people who probably should not be running, I, I know Vice President Pence. I like Vice President Pence a lot. I don't understand the purpose of this run. He filed paperwork on Monday to run for president, setting up an unprecedented contest between a former VP and a former president of his own party for the nomination, according to Politico. His largest task will be attempting to win back Republicans who largely cast him aside following Donald Trump's presidency. He's been quite critical, obviously, of President Trump. Maybe his only role in the race is going to be as a stalking horse for another candidate, which would be a good thing. I mean, like him, him actually taking all of the incoming fire so another candidate could run up the middle against Trump might be a good thing for the party. But here was Mike Pence yesterday, for example, slamming President Trump over praising Kim Jong-un. Uh, President Trump has run a very weird campaign thus far. It really has not involved a lot of campaigning. It's mostly been him on Truth Social saying strange things. So a few days ago, he congratulated Kim Jong-un on something or other. And Mike Pence was like, uh, you shouldn't congratulate people who strap their uncles to aircraft, anti-aircraft guns, and then open fire. <laughs> Here's Mike Pence. The World Health Organization let uh, America and the world down during the COVID pandemic. I mean, they literally were complicitous in, in covering up what was happening uh, in China. And we held them to account uh, during our administration. But look, whether it's my former running mate or anyone else, no one should be praising uh, the dictator in North Korea or, or praising uh, the, uh, the, the, the leader of Russia who has launched uh, an unprovoked war of aggression in Ukraine. This is a time when we ought to make it clear to the world that we stand for freedom. Um, so, yeah, he's running. Is that going to be productive or not? I, I, I have my doubts. 
Meanwhile, Nikki Haley is also running, the former governor of South Carolina and the UN ambassador under President Trump. She was on CNN the other day. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not a big fan of the CNN town halls for Republican candidates. I just don't see the purpose unless you're going to go in and go in aggressively. The the one thing that I thought that Nikki said, which is necessary in this race, somebody is going to have to say the truth about the entitlements in this country. Right now, we have a bunch of candidates, all of whom are afraid to step on that third rail because they're afraid that if they say the truth about entitlements, then they will lose an election. But Nikki Haley says we should tackle entitlements because, I mean, if we don't, then the company's then the country's going to go bankrupt. She obviously is correct about this. I want to ask you about Social Security. Um, the program is expected, as you noted earlier, to run out of money to pay full benefits in 2034. And if nothing is done, that will prompt automatic cuts. Um, in order to address that, you said that you have wanted to raise the future, future retirement age for people who are young right now. Um, what retirement age are you proposing? So I think that, first of all, we need to understand that, yes, Social Security will go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare will go bankrupt in eight. But we shouldn't take away from anyone who is put into the system. We should keep our promises. Everyone who's been promised should get it. My kids are in their 20s. They're the ones we go to and we say we're raising life, we're raising the retirement age to reflect life expectancy. We limit benefits on the wealthy. Instead of cost of living increases, let's do increases based on inflation and let's expand Medicare Advantage plans. That's what we need to do to start really taking on entitlement reform. We have to do it because we can't keep kicking this can down the road. And I know that Trump and DeSantis have both said we're not going to deal with entitlement reform. Well, all you're doing is leaving it for the next president, and that's leaving a lot of Americans in trouble. Okay, so I'm glad that somebody is articulating that because that actually is true. It is true that the Republican Party, since President Trump has basically taken entitlements and shoved them off to the side, but a Republican president with a Republican Congress should have done something about the entitlements during the last administration. Okay, meanwhile, in media news, Chuck Todd has now announced that he is stepping down as anchor of Meet the Press. And, um, I got to say, his out his outro speech was pretty astonishing. He uh, he suggested that his legacy is that he did not accept propaganda. Here is Chuck Todd announcing his departure on Meet the Press. So I leave feeling concerned about this moment in history, but reassured by the standards we've set here. We didn't tolerate propagandists and this network and program never will. But it doesn't mean sticking your head in the sand either. If you ignore reality, you'll miss the biggest story. Being a real political journalist isn't about building a brand. It's about reporting what's happening and explaining why it's happening and letting the public absorb the facts. So much objectivity from Chuck Todd. Just a quick review of dumb things that Chuck Todd has said in extraordinarily biased fashion. This is just like over the last seven months. A little little brief montage we have here of some Chuck Todd. How do you know, are are you confident that you know that gender uh, is... uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that it isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. Do you know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman and X and a Y. That means there's you're a, a man. lot so of scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Part of, part of the reasons our politics are inflamed is we do not have an unbiased uh, media. We don't. It's unfortunate. I'm all for a free press. Well, it needs Senator, to be more unbiased. Senator, There's look, misinformation is, look, on both partisan, sides, but the Senator, censorship and Senator, suppression look, we're trying to primarily do issues occurs here, in from fact, the left. Partisan cable, look, you can go back on your partisan cable cocoon and talk about media bias all you want. I understand it's part of your identity. And it's all due to treating people as political pawns, leaving some migrants who might have been misled to believe they were going elsewhere, as reported by NPR, on a literal island that doesn't have any infrastructure designed to help them at all. In a word, it's inhumane. All right, but let's talk about one of the elephants in the room, and that is the appeasement of this white supremacy mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, and this, look, it, it does appear there are a lot, a lot of Republicans who don't want to denounce it because they're afraid of turning off the base. Yep. This is a huge virus in the GOP. Come on, members of Congress, aren't you embarrassed by the silliness of this debt limit thing that we go through, this shenanigan? Just shame on all of you. Shame. Come on. Particularly Republicans. You're playing games this time. I know the Democrats play games, but enough of this. This is stupid. So much unbiased journalisming. Ah, he without fear or favor. Uh, the journalisming levels reached by Chuck Todd. Oof. He'll be sorely missed in, in, in his objective journalisming. Yeah, man. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a thing that I hate. So things that I like today. So Tim Scott, another Republican presidential candidate, he was on The View. And as you all know, one of my life ambitions is to one day be on The View because 
I think it would be hilarious. And I think it would be wildly entertaining. The producers know about this. The producers are fully aware of it. When Megan McCain was on the show, she tried to get me on the show many, many times. They always refuse. But Tim Scott had the opportunity to go on the show. And uh, he had what was a particularly sweet media moment here in which he chastised Sonny Hostin essentially for her racially reductionist view of the world. Here is Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina. One of the things I think about and one of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed in having faith in God, mm-hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids, would unleash opportunities in ways that you, you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look just change the stations and see how much progress has been made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. Okay, this is Scott's message. It's a very nice message. Do I think that he's going to win the presidential nomination? No. But do I think that he's going to say things that need to be said on issues of race in this race? Absolutely. And I think that that, that was a really nice moment. That was when, well, Sonny Hostin was trying to claim that Tim Scott was an exception, that black people in America can't succeed, and Tim Scott somehow escaped the, the boot of, of white supremacy in the United States, and he uh, rebutted her. Okay, time for a couple of quick things that I hate. So it is now imperative to hijack literally every character in every children's movie. They're all gay, they're all switched from white to minority, if if that can be done. Everybody is recast for purposes of diversity. It's very important. Right? Traditional IP has to be dumped by the, by the side of the road. Some of that makes very little difference to the plot. It doesn't make a big difference to the plot if Ariel in The Little Mermaid is black versus if she's white. All you're doing is something very stupid in terms of IP, which is taking classic IP and then screwing around to classic IP. So now The Little Mermaid does not look like The Little Mermaid did in the animated movie that we all watched when we were kids. Okay, so that, that, that's one thing. It is another thing. When there is a suggestion made, and it's constantly being made, that children's characters are members of sexual minorities when they clearly are not. Okay, so the latest example of this is the new Spider-Man movie. I've not seen the new Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse movie. Into the Spider-Verse is a fantastic film, the, the, the first Spider-Man movie. The reviews of this one are, are good, but not great, I would say. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. Here is the new idiotic attempt to hijack characters. So the movie does include usual left-wing propagandistic sort of imagery. The biggest piece of propagandistic imagery is Gwen Stacy, who is Spider-Woman in an alternate universe, has above her door a giant flag that says protect trans kids. So she is, she's obviously, at the very least, a left-winger. Right? Protect trans kids. That, that protect trans kids flag is only in the trailer. You know why that is, by the way? The reason why that is? Because they want international distribution. And you know where they're not super big on that kind of stuff? China. And then her dad's jacket at one point in the film also has a trans flag on it. He's a cop and he has a, a trans flag on it. Also, her color scheme is hot pink and blue. So this has driven a huge number of people on the Twitters and in the in the gay press to suggest that actually Gwen Stacy is a dude. Gwen Stacy is actually not a female. She's not spider woman. She's spider trans woman because of the color scheme. Now, back in 2014, when this character was first introduced in the comics, my understanding is this was the color scheme that was used in the original comics also. So that that is just not true. Also, it would be kind of a weird moment when Miles Morales finds something he didn't expect to find if they end up getting together. That'll be kind of awkward. But the, the attempt to hijack children's characters and then propagandize them into completely different characters, like it makes kind of a difference whether Gwen Stacy is a boy who thinks he is a girl. That makes kind of a difference to the story, does it not? But apparently the entire, the entire trans community has now latched onto this sort of stuff in the same way that the gay community spent years claiming that Burton Ernie on Sesame Street were like, why do you got, for, why? Just, there are lots of gay characters all over the place, okay? There's no shortage of gay characters in film and TV. 
And this character is canonically pro-trans. So why do you need to do that? And the answer is because seizing popular properties and then pretending they're a thing they're not is part of mainstreaming the idea. That is what it is. They have to, they have to take what is subtle in terms of the sort of trans messaging on, on like a little, you know, throwaway graphic, and they have to turn it into the center of the film. So the Pink News says, quote, it's official. Fans of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse are convinced that the character of Gwen Stacy is trans and the evidence is compelling. Compelling. Gwen and the environment around her are practically drenched in the trans pride colors during the sequence, with many seeing a scene, and there's a scene in which she announces that to her father that she, is the, she has a hidden identity as Spider-Woman. So first of all, the idea that a person who announces a hidden identity is therefore trans is absurd. The entire basis of Spider-Man for literally all of Spider-Man's history, and by the way, the basis of pretty much all superhero comics, movies, is someone has a secret identity and it gets revealed to someone. It does not mean that Superman is trans because he also masquerades as Clark Kent during the day. But this is, this is where we have decided to go, um, at least in this radical part of society. So there's that. Great, great stuff. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the New York Times, which is, is suddenly getting strangely acquiescent with regard to Nazi symbolism. Now, really, if you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.